Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Relentless Sermon Series, which walks through the book of Judges and sees how God is constantly pursuing His people. We hope this episode will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. If you would, uh, take your Bibles today. Let's go to the book of Judges, and uh, Judges in chapter number one this morning. And I'm excited about uh, starting this brand new series. We're going to be studying out the, uh, the book of Judges. And it's really a study about the, uh, the relentless love and grace of God uh, for his people and for their lives. And uh, I'm looking forward to this, of course, Judges in the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to go through this book and kind of discover how God continues to seek his people and how he continues to pursue after uh, his children. And um, I'm just, I hope that you'll be able to be here through the whole series. We're going to study this out, but really it's just a book that outlines the children of God having moments of, uh, of their life, which really happened a lot where they kind of wandered from the Lord, they got away from him, but God didn't give up on his people. And aren't you thankful that God doesn't give up on us? Man, some of us, we would really give up on ourselves if we were God, uh, but God doesn't give up on us. And that's really what the book of Judges uh, is about, and we're going to see that today. But before we get into it, I wonder this morning um, if you would agree with me that there's a difference between uh, listening and hearing. Would you agree with that? Uh, the old adage, you're hearing but, lot, but not listening, or they'll say you're listening but not hearing. Um, maybe you struggled with that. Uh, I know that there were times in my life when my sisters struggled with that. Okay, be honest, there's times when I struggle with that, times when uh, my parents, they would say, now you were listening to me, but you didn't hear a word that I said, or you're hearing me, but it's not registering. You're not acting upon what I gave you. I can remember one time in specific, uh, in particular, that um, we were there in a, our church in Colorado where my dad pastored, and it was a rather large auditorium. I think the auditorium could seat maybe 500 on the floor, something like that. So uh, about really two to three times the size of our auditorium here, and really super high ceilings. And um, at one point, they had raised money to go from uh, old chairs to these, the pews that they were getting in. And so uh, they were going to do that. And during that time, going to go ahead and re-carpet everything, kind of remodel the auditorium. And so it came time to get all this done. So they took all these chairs out, and they were going to put the carpet down. And so there was just this big, empty room. And I was about seven or eight years old. And... I loved football. And so me and another person who attends our church with the last name of Blim, <laughs> he's in kids church, so I can talk about him today. We decided that we, with one of our other friends, we were gonna go ahead and play, play some football in the open auditorium. And so we got to playing some football, and I remember, uh, of course, all these guys were working, and, and of course, we were only, you know, seven, eight years old. We weren't doing too much damage at that point. <laughs> we're playing some football, and I remember my dad saying, now listen, I don't care if, you know, I think it was snowing outside or something, so I don't care if you boys just play some catch in here or something, stay off to the side, but he said this, don't kick the ball. You, you, can't, you can't do kickoffs. You just can't do that. Okay, dad, we got it. I heard him. 
I listened to him, but I didn't really process it because about 10 minutes later, you know what we decided to do? We are gonna do a kickoff. And so I don't know which one of us, we, it really, it probably wasn't me or Dan. It was somebody else and completely. It's someone else completely that kicked the ball. And I remember that as they kicked the ball, the ball went up and you know what it decided to hit? The lights. And we had these nice, these, uh, they were really cool chandeliers that matched that torium that were very hard to find. They weren't, they didn't sell them anymore. I found out. And we shattered that light and sure enough, all that, the light and the chandelier, everything just goes everywhere. And we begin to point. It, was, it wasn't me, man. It was, it was them, you know. It wasn't me or Blem. It was, it was that kid. Who is he? Who's, what deacon does he belong to? Because that's him, you know. <laughs> and we started, we started blaming it. And I can remember my dad coming out, mom coming out. What did you do? Um, because then it clicked. Oh, they said not to kick it. I missed the knot. I'm sorry. And I forget if we got in trouble. We probably did. But you know what? You probably have times in your life, and I know I do in mine, where someone gives you some instruction, and you maybe listen to them. You know, you, you know they're talking to you, but you don't really hear it. It doesn't really sink in. This morning, we're going to come to the book of Judges, and really the book of Judges starts out understanding that the children of Israel, they often dealt with this problem just like you and I do, and that they often listened to God, but they didn't really hear him. They heard God speak, they knew what God wanted, but sometimes they didn't act upon that. And this morning we're gonna discover that just like the children of Israel had that problem, that we at times have the same problem, and today we're going to be challenged to not just listen, but to also hear and to act upon what God speaks to us about. So I want you to take your Bible and let's stand and let's turn to Judges chapter number one. And <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to go to Judges one and uh, we're going to kind of jump around from Judges one, two and three. We're going to we're going to cover three, two and a half chapters today. OK, and we're going to we're going to get past the first few uh, things in the book. But Judges chapter one and we're going to read verse number twenty eight first. It says this. It says it came to pass that when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out, all right? So Israel was strong, they're now in the land, we'll cover all this in just a second, but they're up against the Canaanites and they don't drive them out. Skip over to chapter two and verse 10. <clears throat> Here's what you read, Judges chapter two, verse 10, down through verse number 13. It says, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. Now, I want you, if you would, and this won't be on the screen, but skip over to verse number 16. Judges chapter 2 and verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges 
which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. In Judges chapter number one and chapter number two, we're going to find the author setting up the picture of what is taking place. And we're gonna cover that in just a minute. But I think today that we would be amiss, and I believe by the end of the message, you'll agree with me on this, that we would be wrong to read Judges chapter one and all the way to chapter two and verse number 15 and stop. Because in the life of the nation of Israel, there was a nevertheless. And in your life and my life today, I hope by the end of the message that we'll look and say, God, thank you. Thank you for the, for the nevertheless. I'd like to start with a word of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take a moment? And would you give God permission to speak to you? And you pray something simple, God, please speak to my heart today. And then if you would, would you make the commitment that as God speaks, that you're gonna listen to him, but not only listen, you're gonna hear him, act upon what he says. Lord, thank you for this day and thank you again for the word of God. I thank you, Father, for how you use it to shape us each day and each week. And I pray that this morning, as we go through this, Lord, that you would use it to challenge us and to strengthen our walk with you. I pray, Lord, that if there's some here that do not know for certain that if they died, they'd go to heaven. I pray that you'd help them today to come to know you as their personal savior. God, help each one that does know you. I pray that you'd challenge and convict us today through your word. And Lord, that you'd use your word to, uh, to shape our week. And Lord, to help us have a greater walk with you and impact for you. We thank you again for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we open up the book of Judges, I really want us to kind of discover uh, where we're at in history. You would go and you would begin to uh, find out that God has selected his people, the children of Israel, that they would be uh, the ones, and we'll see this in just a moment, they would be the ones that would show forth his glory. The book of Judges actually would take place over the period of about 390 years that will be covered from Judges chapter 1 all the way to the end of the book. What has taken place leading up to the book of Judges is that the children of Israel have gone from the promised land. They strayed and went into Egypt. And of course, uh, there in Egypt, they were there for uh, about 400 years. And there was a generation that came up that, uh, uh, of the Egyptians that didn't know Joseph. Remember, Joseph was the leader. And so the children of Israel had place in Egypt, but there came a generation that didn't know Joseph. And so Egypt put them in uh, as slaves and put taskmasters taskmasters upon them. Say that five times fast. Taskmasters put them upon them and, um, and begin to make the lives of the children of Israel miserable. They cried out to God. God rose up a deliverer. The deliverer's name was Moses. Moses came on the scene and you'll recall the uh, 10 plagues that took place and everything that happened there. And then Moses leading them out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea and uh, into the, the promised land. And as they were going to come up to the Jordan River, and go into the promised land, they sent the 12 spies into the land. And of the 12 spies, they came back and 10 of the spies gave a bad report and two gave a good report. And the bad report of the 10 spies caused the people to doubt God and God's deliverance. And so Moses,
Moses then uh, makes the, the bad decision to not lead the people into the promised land. And God says, well, I'm going to judge you all for that. And you as a people group, uh, Israel, you're going to live in the wilderness for you're going to wander for 40 years. And I'm going to kill off the generation that didn't want to go in. And so for the next 40 years, we read about uh, the wanderings of the children of Israel. During that time, much would take place. Many miracles would happen. God would provide manna. God would perform uh, different uh, ways to prove himself to his people. But he would raise up a young man by the name of Joshua. Moses, the great leader, would pass off the scene and Joshua would now come into uh, rule, come in to lead God's people. Then you read the book of Joshua. We went through that on Sunday nights. Um, I think it was last year, might've been two years ago, I don't remember, but we went through the book of Joshua and we studied through uh, the children of Israel coming into the promised land and going and conquering their enemies and what God did through them. Well, Joshua would pass off the scene and no one would really step up to take the mantle and you come to the book of Judges. As you come into the book of Judges, we're going to discover the children of Israel and we're going to discover this about them, that they failed to follow God's instructions. They failed to do it in the book of Joshua. They failed to do it uh, through the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. They often had these times where they failed to obey God completely. And while at times their failure led to some intense consequences, we're going to discover that God never gave up on them. And that even though you and I may have times where we fail God, that God never gives up on us. And so as we look at this this morning, I want you to take your Bible. And first of all, I want you to notice with me what I'm going to call the plan. The plan. What I want us to understand this morning is the fact that God had a plan for his people. God had a desire and a plan for his people. And in short, it was, it was to use them to showcase his power and his strength and his glory. God wanted to use the nation of Israel to show the world who he was. That was really God's, I mean, that, that's the underlying purpose that God had in their life. He wanted to use them as the vehicle to show his character to the world so that the world uh, perhaps would turn to him. And one of the best ways that God was going to do this is he was going to to bring them, Israel, into their own land to worship God and to glorify God. This was a promise that you would read about all the way back in the Old Testament, a promise given to Abraham back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we read these words. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, or Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make thee uh, of a, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. A few uh, years later, the Lord would remind Abraham, Gen Genesis chapter 12, verse number seven, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, unto thy seed will I give this land and there build it an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So in the Old Testament, you take the children of Israel, God had a plan with them, and I'm, I'm going to bring you into your own land, and I'm going to use you to draw people to me. I'm going to use you and fulfill uh, the purposes in your life, and I'm going to build a people that have a relationship with God, Jehovah God. That was God's plan for the children of Israel. You can see this reiterated all throughout the Old Testament. Moses would reiterate it with the children, or Abraham and Moses would reiterate it with 
with the children of Israel before they pass off the scene. Moses and Abraham, excuse me, Moses would give this instruction to Joshua in Deuteronomy 33, 27 and 28. He says, it says, then eternal, then eternal God, is, it should say thee, I hate autocorrect. The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. So God's plan is to bring them into their own country. God's plan is, to, plan is to bring them into their own land with the purpose of glorifying him. But part of that plan was that they would drive out all the inhabitants. You're going to notice that as we go through a few of these verses that the plan that God had was, I'm going to use you to glorify me, but that can't be fulfilled to its highest potential and purpose unless you follow me by faith and drive the inhabitants out of the land. You see, what had happened is Abraham had gone into the land and then through the course of events in a couple centuries, the children of Israel had wandered away from the land time and time again. They'd kind of go back in and go back out and go back in and go back out. And because of that, the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people had now settled in the promised land. And so now there's enemies there and God would say, to Moses, you need to go and destroy the enemies. Moses would give this instruction to Joshua. God would reiterate it with Joshua, and then Joshua would give it to the people. So we went from Abraham to Moses, now to the next leader, Joshua. It says, then Joshua commanded officers of the people, saying, pass through the host and command the people, saying, prepare you victuals, uh, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord God giveth you to possess it. So now they're at the promised land. Now they're about to go in. And Joshua said, hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail, watch this, he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. A lot of ites. When we go through the book of Judges, we're just going to refer to a lot of the ites. And that's this people group. And here's what God had said to Joshua. Joshua, I'm gonna, you're going to cross over Jordan. You're going to go into the land. It's your land because I have a plan and a purpose for you. And you're going to drive everybody out. God gave them those instructions. They knew what it was. And if you go and study all this out, God desired for his people to have full inheritance of the land and to have peace. That's what God wanted. He wanted his people to live in full inheritance and live in peace. He desired that their life and existence would bring honor and glory to him, but it all hinged upon them driving out the inhabitants. It hinged upon their obedience, not just knowing what God wanted, but acting upon it. Let me make a very simple connection for us this morning. Just as God had a plan for the people of Israel, God has a plan for your life as well. And this correlation is all throughout the word of God that God's plan for you is number one, that you would come to know him as your savior. That's God's plan for every person, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. <coughs> Excuse me. And then following that, the Lord desires that you and I would bring glory to him. But all throughout scripture, you can go and understand that God has plans for you. His plan doesn't stop with you and I just uh, getting saved, but he wants to use you to point people to him. Psalm 105 verse one, uh, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, all you, uh, 
uh, and call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. God wants to use you to bring glory to him. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says that God is looking, uh, the, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards, the, towards him. God wants to use you to bring him glory. He wants to use you to uh, point to him, but he also wants to use you to encourage other people. Do you know that's God's purpose in your life is that you would use your life to pour out or invest in others. Uh, Romans 14, 19, it says, let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. So we could really continue down the line that God has plenty of plans and purposes for you and I. Jesus summarized it this way in John 20, 21, when he said, peace be unto you as my father has sent me, even so send I you. Paul calls us ambassadors for God. So there are purposes or plans that if you're a person here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, God has plan and purposes for you each and every day. Now listen, that brings some meaning to life. That brings a little bit of, uh, it brings identity to life because now I'm not just living this life for me and what I can get and my glory. Now it takes me to a greater cause and that cause goes to his plan, which is to glorify God after receiving him as my savior, using my life to invest in others and point to him. Man, really, you think about that, that adds a lot of depth to why we live, doesn't it? Man, it helps me understand that I'm not, life is not just about me. So there's the plan. God had a plan for Israel and he has a plan for you. But even though God had a plan, I want us to notice secondly that there was a problem. There was a problem. Although God had a plan for Israel, the children of Israel, they chose that they wanted their plan instead of, of God's plan. And based upon the passages that we're going to see, it would be safe to assume that they readily followed their plan. You see, Israel knew that God had a plan for them and a purpose, and they knew that they were supposed to take the promised land and conquer all of the enemies. They knew that they were supposed to drive out the enemies, but notice what they did. Judges chapter one. And go to verse 19. We'll just skip around. <clears throat> verse 19, the Lord was with Judah and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Verse 21, and the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. Verse 27, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean. Uh, you can go down to verse number 28. It came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, the verse we read, and did not utterly drive them out. Verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Echo. Verse number 32, but the uh, Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, nor the inhabitants of Beth Anath, uh, but he dwelt among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anan, or Beth Anath, became tributaries unto them. You could go through time and time and time again, and what you find 
is that Judah didn't drive the inhabitants out. So now we're breaking Israel down up into tribes. Judah didn't do it. Benjamin didn't do it. Manasseh didn't do it. The northern tribes didn't do it. Ephraim didn't do it. Zebulun didn't do it. Asher didn't do it. Naphtali didn't do it. And Dan didn't do it. So now you have a number of the 12 tribes of Israel not obeying God not driving the people out. They, they failed to obey God completely. Remember God's plan for, him, for his people was his desire for them to live in complete victory over their enemies and fulfill their purposes. But here's what happened. God's people settled. They settled for their desires and they stopped short of what God wanted for them. They failed to obey God completely. God had told them to take him at his word we, we don't have time to do it, but if you were to go back, you would find God saying, just trust me. The enemy's stronger than you. The enemy knows warfare. You're going into somewhere where the people are going to be mightier than you, but just trust me. I've got plan. You follow me and I will give you a fulfilled and healthy relationship with me as your father. But what took place, we find the people Instead, giving God what we're calling partial obedience. He had told them to get the enemies out of the land by destroying them and pushing them out. But instead, they gave God partial obedience. They knew what God wanted. They listened to him, but they failed to, failed to follow through and obey him. And here's the reason why. It's listed for us in there. John, Judges 1.19 helps us see a little bit. We read it a couple times. The Lord was with Judah and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. And here's why. Because they, the inhabitants of the valley, had chariots of iron. <clears throat> the children of Israel, they obeyed in areas where they could see the result, but they disobeyed in areas that took faith. See, the chariots of iron help us understand the enemy is stronger than them. But God had said, I've already given them into your hands. God had said, you already can be conquerors over them. And yet they see the chariots of iron and they fled. One man said it this way, this way Israel allowed their fears to prevail over their faith. Israel allowed their fears to prevail over their faith. They allowed what they saw in man, listen, they allowed what they saw in man to overshadow what they knew about God. But their partial obedience, it didn't stop there. Judges chapter two and verse number one, it says this, it says, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. Okay, so in this passage, here's, here's what we have and, and follow this and I'll connect it. We have a people group that God said, I'm gonna use you to fulfill my purposes, to glorify me, and I'm gonna make you a great nation. Here's what you need to do. Go into the land, set up shop, set up camp, make it yours, defeat the enemy, and then just teach the next generation who I am. You want, you want it to continue? Fulfill, follow me and teach the next generation. Here's what was actually said to him in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five, and seven, five through seven. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, <clears throat> and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Watch this. And now 
shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. See, so God had told them, I want you to fulfill my purpose by not only going into the land, but then teach the next generation who I am. But Judges chapter two, verse number 10 says that there arose up a generation that knew not the Lord. Let me just present to you that they missed it. They heard him, they were listening, but it didn't click. They were hearing, but not listening or listening, but not hearing. However you want to put that. They, they got the information, but they didn't act upon the truth. They thought they knew better, and somewhere along the line, they failed to teach their kids about the one and only Jehovah God. Somewhere along the line, they failed to drive out the inhabitants of the land. They were listening, but apparently not hearing. Can I just say this this morning, that just as Israel had a problem with partial obedience, sometimes we do as well. All too often, we are quick to hear, listen, we are quick to hear and obey God in areas that are easy to obey God in. But when it comes to taking real faith, we back down. And we create a problem by doing things our way. And we create havoc in our life by giving God partial obedience. We listen to the Lord and perhaps even know what he wants from us, but we fail to hear and act upon what he's given to us. Listen, think about these truths that many times we know that God wants us to forgive someone. We know it. We know forgiveness is from God, but we settle to just quote, not think about it. Well, I just won't think about it anymore. We know God wants us to maybe stand up for his word and his truth, but we settle by saying, well, I just don't see things that way. We know God may want us to talk to someone about Jesus Christ, but instead we settle by just saying, well, I'll live a good testimony around them. God often wants us to serve others, but we settle by just giving to the bell ringers during the Christmas season for the Salvation Army. That's my contribution to helping out. God often may want you as a, a parent to invest truth into your family, spending time together, but we settle by just pushing play, and that's family time. There's nothing wrong with watching movies together. There's nothing wrong with hanging out, but listen, sometimes we know God wants us to do more, but it takes a little bit of faith to step out, and we kind of back up and say, no, I can't do that today. And here's what we do, just like the children of Israel, we often allow what we see in a situation to overshadow what we know to be true about God. I'm going to take giving for a moment. There's a lot of people in church that say, I know God wants me to give. Because we're not giving to the church, we're giving to the Lord. So I know God wants me to do that, but if I give up that 10%, uh, I don't make that much. And here's what God's saying. Try me. Test me now. Prove me now herewith if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out to you in a, bless, a blessing. That's an area of faith that we know what God says, but sometimes we don't act upon that. 
uh, the area of witnessing that I spoke about a moment ago. We often, we know that God would have us to step out by faith. Listen, step out of the comfort zone a little bit and talk to somebody about Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has. We know God wants us to do that. And most people in here would say, yes, I, I know God wants me to tell people about him. But what we do is we say, well, that that's just not me. I don't, I'm not an outgoing personality. You know, I just, I just not, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of an introvert or whatever. Listen, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or avert, I don't know, whatever else there is, whatever you are, for every one of us, introvert or extrovert, it takes faith to tell someone about Christ. But what we do is we cower away. Maybe we come to a trial in our life and we know that God wants us to trust him through it and rely on him through it and stay in the word through it and grow, but we fall back and we, we uh, often we allow what we see in the situation to overshadow what we know to be true about God. That's what the children of Israel were doing. And we often do the same thing, giving God partial obedience because we're operating by fear, not faith, fear of the unknown, fear what may happen if we surrender to God, fear of what people will think if we speak about God, fear of who will make things right if we do forgive, fear of what changes will take place if we speak to the coworker about our Lord. And the truth of the matter is that we often create a problem just like Israel did. The plan, God wanted to use them. The problem, they got in the way. They gave God partial obedience. But I want you to see thirdly, the product. The product, there was a result of their partial obedience. We'll fly through this, this thought. But let's ask the question, what were the results of their partial obedience? What I want us to do just for the next couple of minutes is to ask <coughs> what the, these results were and maybe how they can correlate in our life. If you were to go through and you were to read the first and, in, uh, first and second chapters, all the way down to chapter number three and verse number eight, you would find the, these things as the result. You'd find that the result of them not driving out the people of the land was that they ended up at times enslaved to the very people they were supposed to drive out. And they were often even defeated in war because of this. The result of the people living among them is that their children married into pagan cultures. And the ultimate result is that the people of Israel literally walked away from God. This is how the penman of Judges describes it. In Judges 2, 20 through 23, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice. They heard, they listened, but they didn't hearken unto my voice. I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations, which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. When you look at this, the result was that they were now living among their enemies. They often lived with pain and frustration because of their enemies. And the result of their partial obedience was that they were living below their privileges. They missed out in experiencing a fulfilled relationship with God and accomplishing God's purpose. The result was Judges 2.12. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, and followed uh, other gods and the gods of the people that were round about them. Their children walked away from God. 
their failure to drive out the enemies and, of God and their own enemies and their failure to teach the children about God resulted in their grandchildren and generations to come walking away from the Lord, literally not knowing and having a relationship with Jehovah God. Now, can I just help us see this morning that the results in your life and my life of partial obedience are often the same. We too miss out on fulfillment when we give God partial obedience. Because of not tithing, I don't, maybe because of not giving, maybe I don't see the blessings of God like God wants. Because of not witnessing to that coworker, I don't see a blessing of God in seeing that person maybe come to know the Lord or, or uh, just seeing them challenge my faith and sharpen it and make it better. We go down the line of things that we make excuses about and give God partial obedience in, and God says, well, I wanted to use that to really grow you and to really help you and to bring you into a healthy relationship. And we often... It's sad to say, but we need to understand that our partial obedience doesn't just affect us. Just like the generation, the first generation's partial obedience didn't just affect them, it affected the children after them. And mom and dad, your partial obedience uh, doesn't just affect you, it affects your kids and it affects how they see God. Hey, listen, God desires that you and I would have a relationship with him and walk with him each day and get up and get in the word of God. And sometimes we give God partial obedience in that. That is not going to just affect your life, that is going to affect the generation after you because your kids will say, well, yeah, my dad, my mom, they were kind of in the Bible. And and they're going to say, well, they were kind of in the Bible. And, and you know what? It didn't really work for them. It probably won't work for me. They didn't really achieve. They didn't really work at it. So why should I work at it? You know, mom and dad, they, they weren't really faithful to God or faithful to church. So why do I need to do that? And we just need to see and understand that you and I giving God partial obedience, don't miss it. We do it because of fear, but it not only affects you, it's going to affect those who come after you. Parents, can I just encourage you for a minute? Consistency matters. You consistently walking with God, consistently being in his word, consistently being in church. Why? Because God has a plan for your life and your family, and he wants to use you to make a difference. He wants to use your life to accomplish his purpose. He wants to bring you into a healthy and fulfilled relationship with him. But as long as you and I walk in partial obedience, that is going to come back to bite us. It is going to come back to hurt us. And I can't tell you, uh, being raised in ministry and really 36 years, ministry is all I've ever known. My dad pastored all those years and then I was in Bible college studying for ministry and then went on as a youth pastor in ministry and now a pastor for eight and a half years in, in ministry. It's all I've known. So for 36 years, I could take you to person after person after person after person who said, you know, I'll give God partial obedience. And now their kids aren't even in church and their grandkids aren't even in church and their family is falling apart. And they come and they say, pastor, how do I get it all back in control? I wanna say, press the rewind button and go back about 45 years and say, God, I'll give you everything. God, I will step out by faith. God, I don't give you partial obedience. I give you complete obedience. God, I not only listen, but I hear and I operate based upon what I hear. Can I just encourage you, don't be that person. Now, maybe you're there right now. Listen, Israel was that person and they were there right now. That's where they are in Judges. They have, they have forsaken, forsaken, forsaken. They have forsaken God. I was talking to Quinn earlier, so my English wasn't working out very well. 
They've forsaken God. They had walked away from God. They had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Judges 3, 7 says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, forgot their, the Lord their God and served Balaam in the groves. Man, they had done all this. But in Judges chapter 2 and verse number 16, there's a nevertheless. Before we see the nevertheless, let me give you a thought that takes place when you and I give God partial obedience. Daily following my plans and living with partial obedience is going to lead to a life that is below my privileges as a child of God, as well as the loss of the God-given influence which he intended for me to have. In your life and my life, when we give God partial obedience, we live below our privileges and we lose the God-given influence that God wants us to have. We lose out on the healthy relationship. So this morning we see the plan. God had a purpose with Israel. We see the problem. They got in the way by giving partial obedience. We see the product. It resulted in slavery. It resulted in their children walking away from God. But I want us to be encouraged and challenged this morning by understanding what I'm calling the pursuit. The pursuit. Because from Judges chapter number one all the way to the end of the book for 390 years, there is always a nevertheless. Judges chapter two, verse number 16, look at it. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. I wanna open up this thought by simply saying this, God didn't give up on Israel and God doesn't give up on you. You may have times where you, because of fear, don't take the step of faith. God doesn't go, fine, I quit. God doesn't go, you know, you're too much of a work in, project, work in, process, work in uh, progress. Man, I'm tongue-tangled today. Tang-tangled. God doesn't ever do that. God doesn't just give up on you. He doesn't just walk away from you, and he didn't to Israel. And <clears throat> I want you to see that because of God's love and God's grace, he relentlessly pursues Israel. The nevertheless is there. Israel didn't drive out the inhabitants. Israel raised up a generation that walked away from me. Israel raised up a generation that forsook me. Nevertheless, I went after them. Nevertheless, I didn't give up on them. God continued through the judges. And what we're going to see is that God continued to try to get them to turn back to him. He would bring the judges to them to lead them and to help them develop and desire uh, to seek God again. And this, that's really what the book of Judges is about. It's about the relentless pursuit of God toward his people. It's about a loving God and a gracious God that says, though you may walk away from me, I will never give up on you. And I want us to understand this morning that all throughout history, there have been times when God's people, they turn their back on God. And, and while God does allow consequences for disobedience, and while God does allow natural consequences for sin and for wrong decisions, we need to know that God never gives up on his people. And time and time and time again, we find God coming to his people through a judge or through a prophet and trying to bring his people back into a healthy relationship with him. And my friend, whatever life you live, as you go through this life and as you uh, travel the journey of life that we call, you need to understand that God is constantly, always 
pursuing you. He is pursuing you with his love and his grace, trying to get you and trying to get me to uh, bring ourselves into a healthy relationship with him. Why? Because that's his plan. His plan is not only that I would trust him as my savior, but that I would use my life to glorify him. And then following that, that I would find fulfillment in him. That's why uh, God said, Jesus said, I've come to give life and not just life, but I've come to give it more abundantly that they might know the joy of walking with me, that they might know the peace through trials, that they might know the, the, the blessings that I have in store for them. And though you and I may at times say, God, I know what you want, but I'm going to choose my way. God says, I'll let natural consequences come, but I am not going to forsake you. I am not going to walk away from you. And what a great encouragement to understand that, that God's love and his grace is relentless. And thank God for the nevertheless. Every day, be thankful for the nevertheless. And how many times in your life, I mean, think about it, would you give up on you if you were God and yet you're not God and God hasn't given up on you and until you take your last breath God is not going to give up on you in his love and in his grace he relentlessly pursues you trying to help you come into that healthy and fulfilling relationship and in your life when you only give God partial obedience there's always going to be a nevertheless God constantly and consistently allowing circumstances and situations and conversations and moments to turn your attention back to him. You see what God is constantly trying to do in, do in, in your life and in my life is he's constantly trying to turn our focus to him and our heart to him. In regards to turning, uh, excuse me, in regards to God turning his attention to the Lord, Paul said it this way. 1 Timothy 1.14, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul said, man, I ran from God, but God constantly pursued me. His grace was exceeding abundant. Jesus said it like this in John 10, verse 11 through 15. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known of mine. And as the father knoweth me, even so I know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. That is a God that says, I'm not a hireling. I'm not going to flee when challenges come. I am here and I'm here to stay. And as a shepherd, Christ is continually working to keep us close to him. Psalm 23, the series we went through last year, an amazing psalm providing depth into uh, depth and understanding into the relationship of the shepherd and the sheep, the, the relationship that we have with God the Father. The writer of Hebrews, quoting from the Old Testament, said it so eloquently that we often quote when we simply say, Jesus, God, saying this, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Amen. Listen, my friend, though we can fail God, we can fail to follow him like we should, God never gives up on us. He, because of love and grace, relentlessly pursues us, seeking that we would know a fulfilled and a healthy relationship with him. And it's all because of his love and grace. It's because of that that he seeks after you. And when you and I wander from God, he may seek after you by a text 
from someone that just says, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And while you and I may not take a step of faith that God wants us and in fear we cower back, God may send you a little bit of a pursuit by allowing someone else just to say, man, this week I got to tell a coworker about the Lord and God says, hey, you could do that. You say, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's God knocking on your heart saying, I want, I want more for you. I don't want you to settle for your plans. I don't want you to fall back to your fear. No, I want you to take steps of faith because as you take steps of faith, you will find a healthy relationship, a growing and fulfilled, abundant, life-giving relationship with God Almighty. And so this morning, I want us to close with a couple of challenges. The first is this. I pray that everyone in here would say, God, thank you for the nevertheless. God, thank you for not giving up on me. That we today would take time to thank God that he and his love and grace continually pursues us with purpose, desiring a healthy relationship. And then number two, the second decision I hope we would make is God, help me not to wander. God, help me not to go away. Paul, when writing about this grace in the book of Romans, he's talking about grace abounding. And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul is simply saying this, hey, listen, God's grace and love pursues you, but that's not reason to continue in sin. And today, may we make the decision, God, help me not to just listen, but help me to hear. God, help me not to just know what you want, but act upon that. God, this week as a parent, help me not to just know what you want in my home. Help me to act upon it. In the workplace, help me not to just know how you want me to live as a Christian. Help me to act upon it. And may we today determine to say, God, I'm done with listening, but not hearing. God, this week, I want to listen and hear. But then this morning, maybe you're here and you have not receive Christ as your Savior. Can I just tell you that God's plan for your life is that you would receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. It all starts there. And so I want to ask you, do you know for sure if you died today that you're going to heaven? Because maybe you're here and you don't know that. Can I encourage you that the number one decision God wants you to make is that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for all of your sin. He died on the cross to pay the debt that you could not pay. And today could be the day that you could leave here knowing for sure you're going to heaven because you say, I'm done trusting in me. I'm done trusting in a church. I'm done trusting in a religion. I wanna put my faith completely in Jesus Christ. But this morning, if you're here and you do know Christ as your savior, would you make those two decisions today? Number one, God, thank you for being relentless. God, thanks for not giving up on me. God, thanks for wanting a healthy relationship with me. And number two, God, would you help me this week not to just listen, but to hear. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.